Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, Real Presence Radio Landers. We're happy to have you with us today for today's installment of Real Presence Live. My name is Jack Kennelly, and with me is my lovely, talented, beautiful, and um, every other positive adjective that can be out there wife, who's going to introduce herself. (laughs) Good morning. My name is Doreen, (laughs) and um, I want to say good morning to our son Connor and our daughter-in-law Jenna, and at least two of the six grandchildren, Bridget and Cecilia. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Grandma. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful day here in Fargo where at the uh, the main studios of Real Presence Radio. Wonderful weather. And um, I don't know, Dreen, did you have coffee this morning? I'm on my second cup, what which kind, is very rare. What kind did you have? Well, at home I had Kirkland, and here I'm having Donut House, I oh, think. The, the, okay, yeah, I... I was looking at the selection here, and I, I guess I'd better put a warning out to anybody who comes to visit the office. If you want a cup of coffee, if you want real coffee, bring your own. But the, they have a wonderful selection of all sorts of other foo-foo coffees, like uh, gingerbread cookie, cinnamon vanilla nut, spice cake, maple glaze, cinnamon twist, and you had the decaf. Yeah. To prove how much of a foodie my husband is... He recently went on a motorcycle trip to Glacier Park. I received five pictures. No, three. Yes, five. No, five pictures, two of which were his plates of food that he had in the restaurants. Yeah, so, but you would have <laughs> done that too. If, coffee if, thing is coming If you from. would have seen the servings of bacon at the restaurant in Chinook, Montana, you would have done the same thing. It was marvelous. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. The, the hot beef sandwich covered in gravy and mashed potatoes. Well, you just that don't. You just, you as just beautiful as the mountains. You, I think I got that in Washburn. Yeah, this, yeah, they, yeah, they were kind of like mountains of their own. Yes. Yeah, right. except they okay. weren't snow covered; they were gravy okay. covered. Yeah. Did you have a prayer? I us? do have a prayer. Yes, and so as we always do, we'll start out the, today with a prayer. This is the Te Deum, and it's a wonderful uh, prayer of praise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are God, we praise you. You are the Lord, we acclaim you. You are the eternal Father, all creation worships you. To you, all angels and all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing an endless praise. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of apostles praise you. The noble fellowship of prophets praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. Throughout the world, the Holy Church acclaims you, Father of majesty unbounded, your true and only Son, worthy of all worship, and the Holy Spirit advocate and guide. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became man to set us free, you did not spurn the virgin's womb. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come and be our judge. 
Come then, Lord, and help your people, bought with the price of your own blood, and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That is so beautiful, and it's in union with the whole church. Right. Well, you know, I always have trouble with prayers of praise, and my senior Sushelman gave me that one. And I always think of him whenever I say it, too, because I think it's a good one. But uh, anyway... uh, our first guest is here by telephone. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't get to see her, and we don't get to kind of make gestures across the the table. But uh, we're happy to have with us Natasha Volochenko, who is the assistant director of religious edu- education at Saint Cecilia and Saint Peter and Paul churches, and I believe that's in Velva. But uh, Natasha, why don't you uh, give a more extensive introduction to yourself to our listeners? Well, good morning. Yes, like you said, I'm Natasha Voloshenko, and I belong to St. Cecilia's in Velva. And I'm married to my husband, Dustin. This year will mark 16 years, and we have four kids. We farm together, and we also teach the third-grade religion class in our parish together, and we also have some farm animals. We've got a dog, some kittens, and some chickens. Wow. (laughs) And a a little bit of diocesan trivia. Velva is the... (laughs) The furthest parish from the chancery here in Fargo. Am I right about that? It is indeed. Right. So I, I guess if uh, if the bishop gets upset with somebody, does he banish them out there? I think it's probably a nice place to be. It is, and we've gotten some fantastic pastors. <laughs> yeah. Did you grow up in Velva, Natasha? I grew up in Harvey. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yes. Our our associate, um, our parochial vicar at our parish is, grew up in Harvey, too, Robert Keller. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's mm-hmm. a few years younger than me. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. he's, he's not that old, so you can't be that old. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you're the director of, or the assistant director of Religious Ed, and um, you've got some workshops on uh, Blessed Acarlo. Blessed Carlo Acutis and Eucharistic Miracles. And I think this is really timely. Uh, just this past weekend, we had the Diocesan Eucharistic Revival here in Fargo. And it's kind of kicking off uh, sort of a, a three-year Eucharistic Revival planned uh, by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. So, Were you here for that, um, Natasha? I unfortunately was not able to make it, but I really had wanted to. Yeah, because I think excellent. I think they did have some first class relics of Blessed mm-hmm. Carlo as well. Yes, mm-hmm. they sure did. Okay, well, tell us about how you you know got interested in Eucharistic miracles and uh, you know how you were introduced to Christ in the real presence of the, of the Eucharist. Well, actually, it happened about. Nine to ten years ago, I had a profound spiritual experience. I was suffering with extreme postpartum depression, um, could hardly move out of bed, didn't want to get anything done, had lack of energy, and I was desperate, and I prayed a prayer of desperation, Jesus, please help me, I need you. And I truly felt his presence around me. And instinctively, I knew I needed to get to confession. I made my first real strong, full confession, uh, full-hearted confession, 
And then I received the Eucharist soon after for the first time after that good confession. And I knew, I just knew in my heart, Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist. You know, I'm struck by how beautifully simple and direct your prayer was in that time of desperation. It doesn't take a lot of, you know, flowery words, um, but the simplicity was so beautiful. It doesn't. He's there for us whenever we need him. We just have to reach out and ask, and he is there. That's like the Jesus have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's about you know as simple as you can get. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. there's one simpler one that's just one word. Yeah, help, help, yeah, help, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doreen just learned that prayer the other day. Well, actually, it was a few years ago. Oh, a few years ago. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I guess I just heard the story. Yeah, you just heard the story last night. Yeah. Yeah, well, what 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 what's your uh, What's your favorite thing about being a, a DRE in your local parishes? That must be in addition to being a farmer, huh? It, it is. Fortunately, in a smaller parish, it's not, you know, a full-time job. It's, it's a here-and-there type of a job. And, of course, I don't love the paperwork side of it or the calling and making phone calls. It's the kids. I love seeing the kids, um, especially we use the prayer uh, the PAL prayer method, praise, ask, listen in our classroom. And when I hear the kids with their sincere praise of God and asking for help in different ways in their life, I, it just brings me joy to watch them and see them. And, and that's probably the best part of being DRE or just even being a teacher. And you said that you're the, you and your husband are the third grade catechists? Yes, we have taught the first Holy Communion and Confirmation class for about five years, and then I have been a religious ed teacher for about seven years. And go ahead. Oh, no, (laughs) you go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's just great to, you actually learn more about your own faith as you're teaching the kids, and it's just a wonderful experience. And to be able to have the support of my husband to do that with me, the kids seen in a, a male in the classroom. Very really good. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, it's, it's just been wonderful teaching. Do you have to go to three separate classes for each of your parishes, or are they all consolidated at, at, at Velva? It's all consolidated, yes. Everyone comes to the Velva Parish, and we teach the kids on Wednesday evenings. And we have a huge turnout of kids for our religious ed program. We have over 40 kids, and almost every week everyone shows up. It's wonderful. Oh, that is incredible. How many of them are third mm-hmm. graders this year? I have seven in my class this year. Oh. That, yeah, that's, that's, like a, that's like a little family <laughs> to yes. be able to get. It is. Doreen has a place in her heart for religious education because she's been she's done a lot of that in the course of her teaching career in the Catholic schools. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) No, like you said, you always you learn as you teach, and um, not just from what you're preparing, but from those that you're teaching too. They have something to teach us and share with us too, even though they're they're young children. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So definitely, I I love everything about teaching. So have you um, used your love and passion and interest in the Eucharistic miracles? Have you used that as part of the catechesis of of children as young as third graders? Yes, actually, that's where this started was with uh, our vacation Bible school. And we normally have the young disciples come into our parish for Bible school. But with COVID, we needed to uh, really take that on on our own. And I brought the Eucharistic Miracles into one of our class periods. And we actually went over time with the kids' questions about the miracles. And they absolutely ate it up. They um, were so interested in what I had to share with them. So, um, how, did, how did you do that, um, Natasha? Did you tell them the stories? Did you have videos? Did you have a book that you worked from? Um, what was I, I made a PowerPoint presentation, and I used a Blessed Carlos website to get my information on those That website that has been put together by Blessed Carlo and then others after him, it's so thorough, and it has so much good information, beautiful pictures, and just factual information that can be used for these type of educational experiences. Do you know the name of the website in case our listeners want to yes, um, check it out? Absolutely. It is org, and I can spell that M I R A. C O L I E U C A R I S T I C I dot org. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and this was actually uh, started by Blessed Carlo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he died in 2006 from leukemia. And a few years before he had died, he had the desire to put together in a website where everyone would be able to find them and learn about them. Okay. And he was only, what, 15 years old? Uh, yeah, 15, I believe. At the time, I think that was at the time of his death. Well, we're coming up on a break here, but uh, when we get back, let's we'll talk some more about, uh, you know, uh, your work bringing the Eucharistic revival alive in your area and maybe a little bit more about Blessed Carlo as well. So, for you listeners, we're talking with Natasha Volonchenko and we're talking about Eucharistic Miracles and blessed Carlo Acutis, so stay with us. There's more to come on the other side of the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. 
Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Okay, you're back with uh, this next set. Uh, well, I guess the second half of the first segment of Real Presence Live this morning. We're talking with Natasha Volonchenko. And as the voice said leading into this segment, she's ready to be inspirational, uplifting, and extraordinary. Am I right on that, uh, Natasha? <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> but, but, but before we do that, uh, Doreen is, is getting famous for her jokes that she tells on the air here. And so we're going to make a little bit of room for one of them, okay? <laughs> Take a little- Would you like to try and answer it, Natasha? I can try. Okay. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Because <laughs> they have a hole in one. In case they get a hole in one. Good job. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> Drum roll, please. No kidding. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, back, back to... Uh, Back to the topic. Yes. And we're talking about <laughs> Eucharistic miracles and Blessed Carlo Acutis. Uh, and Natasha, what you're doing to bring um, your uh, passion for Christ present in the Eucharist to the that area where you serve in um, Velva. And so could you just share with us um, what inspired... Well, first of all, um, I understand you, you host... Eucharistic Miracle Workshops. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what sort of response you get from the community? Yes. Um, so my CRE, my Director of Religious Ed, was part of the Vacation Bible School program with me and had heard those miracles with the kids and how enthusiastic the kids were about them. And she said, why don't you bring that to our local workshops? We have our deanery with all of the religion teachers that get together at the beginning of the school year. And we just learn about different teaching techniques or different spiritual things. 
And so I did put that together for the teachers, and it really got a good response. Um, many of them coming up to me afterwards and telling me how important it is to teach these things. It's just not as known as we need to know about them. Um, we really need to know more about our Eucharistic miracles. Why do you think that's important? You know, of course, we our faith alone is enough to know that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. But having the Eucharistic miracles, it just gives us encouragement. It, it really lets us know that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. It confirms our faith. In a, in a very concrete yeah. way, right? And, mm-hmm. and, yes. it's, and it's very important. I know at the uh, Eucharistic conference this weekend, Monsignor Shea was talking about, you know, the... Uh, the extent to which many, even you know, Catholics who attend Mass regularly, really didn't have a complete understanding of you know the real presence in the Eucharist. So, it's it, you know, and that's one of the reasons why the bishops have decided to have this three-year revival. Uh, and so, your your timing is really good. God's timing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. I was definitely God's timing because I was listening to Catholic Answers in 2019 and I became aware of that two research studies showing that three quarters of Catholics didn't believe in the real presence in the Eucharist. And I prayed and I had thoughts of, what can you do about this, God? Well, <laughs> obviously, he put a lot of us to work to get this Eucharistic revival and information out there. No. Are the workshops something that you're taking outside the parish? I am. I've done a couple outside the parish for our local religious ed teachers um, that include Rugby, Harvey, Belcourt. And then I am going to do a retreat with Father Peter in Steele this weekend for his local parish. And that should be a small group, but outside of that, I haven't done a lot. Um, do you have a particular or a few of the Eucharistic miracle stories? Because there's always a story that surrounds them, and often it's there's uh, there has been some doubt on the part of mm-hmm. the person or the community that receives the Eucharistic miracle. Do you have a, a favorite that you could share with um, our listeners this morning? My favorite is probably Buenos Aires. Mm. Um, the reason, I have a science brain. I went to school for nursing, and I just love knowing the scientific facts of everything. And the Buenos Aires miracle was well-documented. There's video footage of the miracle, and they were able to run tests on the miracle. They even showed the scientists the flesh of Jesus in the miracle without telling them that it was the Eucharist, and they tested the miracle and found it was heart tissue, and it was heart tissue from someone that had suffered severely, and they didn't know it was a host. They didn't know it was the Eucharist, and that just amazes me. Can you tell our listeners um, how it happened that they would even have tested that? What what was leading up to it that they realize this yes. is something extraordinary. Yes. So in Buenos Aires, the uh, host that appears as bread normally changed into a bloody type substance. 
And they did put it in a tabernacle for a few years, and Bishop Bergoglio, who is actually Pope Francis now, he decided this was still showing the appearance of flesh after years, and this needed to be studied. So he did get it studied from there. We find that it is indeed a blood, which it belongs to Middle Eastern men. It is the rarest blood form, and it's also the blood type of the Shroud of Turin. There's just so much information that came out of the study. Isn't it the blood type of the, um, I can't, I never remember what it is, but the universal donor? Well, is yes, that, is universal that, donor as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it's the rarest blood type. Ah, uh, wow. You know, I think, did I see that just the other day there was the, the, the feast, was it St. Januarius mm-hmm. that uh, the blood... Um, his blood. Yeah, his, yeah, mm-hmm. his, his blood... Um, what, uh, well, it's dried up. It's dried on, up, but then it kind of liquefies. His three feast days, it liquefies. Yeah, yeah. but yes. but the time. Isn't that amazing? Yes, yeah. but the the it, a couple of times it didn't, and then what followed was like a major disaster. World War One, I, I think, was one of them that followed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a different yeah, kind of it. Eucharistic. That's miracle. not a Eucharist. <laughs> that's his blood. Oh right, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. But it's a miracle. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a miracle, but it's it not Eucharistic. Sorry, I <laughs> yeah. think I got a little off the track here. <laughs> that was just a, like a week or so ago. Yeah. I, think. yeah, I guess when you talk about you know blood liquefying and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is the Eucharistic mm-hmm. miracles. Yes, that Buenos mm-hmm. Aires um, video you can find for our listeners on YouTube. It's, it's just an excellent video that um, kind of documents everything that Natasha was saying. Mm-hmm. Is, is there yes, any? there's so many wonderful things out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there another one you could tell us about? I like stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Lanciano is the oldest Eucharistic miracle, and the part about Lanciano is it's 1,200 years old, and it's still has the appearance of flesh 1,200 years later, and it's also tested... AG blood type, and it's still present. It can still be adored and worshipped to this day, and the stories from years and years ago about this miracle are just amazing to me. Is that the one where the a woman stole a consecrated host? This is the one where there was a priest celebrating the Mass, and as he consecrated the host, he had doubts about the real presence oh, of the yep. Eucharist, mm-hmm. and it changed as he was consecrating. Mm-hmm. It changed? In, yes. what, in what way did it change when he was consecrating? So it changed from, from ordinary bread to flesh, and the wine changed from ordinary wine into blood. And now the blood is actually five globules. Wow. But the, the flesh still has the appearance of flesh. And there's no preservative preservative found in the flesh eater, which is impossible to have something last that long without mm-hmm. a preservative. Have you had the wonderful opportunity to visit any of the places where these Eucharistic miracles occurred? No, but it is on my list for when those kids are out of school <laughs> and my husband and I can travel a little bit more. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's just beautiful. And like Jack said, the stories are 
are so captivating to, you know. They absolutely are. Right. Well, now, um, we, we only have a couple of minutes. I'd like you to just tell us a little bit about Blessed Carlo Acutis, you know, and his connection with Eucharistic Miracles. You've already mentioned his, uh, website? Uh, his website. And also, then, I want you to give you know, in, in, in information, your contact information for any parishes that would like to maybe have you come and do one of your workshops. So you got about Absolutely. a minute and a half now, Natasha. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blessed Carlos, he is the first millennial blessed, and I've just always found him such a interesting saint. Probably because I'm a millennial as well. Uh, he grew up playing video games, playing sports, doing all the things that I did as a kid, and he put Jesus first. When he received First Holy Communion as seven years old, he has missed, he hadn't missed Mass a day in his life. He prayed the Rosary daily, just an amazing saint to try to live by and ask for help and intercession from. And then if someone does want to co- contact me, my email is farmfamilyfaithnd at gmail.com and just I would like everyone to know that our faith is sufficient enough to know that Jesus is truly in the Eucharist but we've been given this amazing miracles that confirm our faith and just please learn more about them okay well Natasha we're grateful that you were able to be with us today and we thank you for taking the time to visit with us about the Blessed Carlo, and also the Eucharistic Miracles and your workshops. And we certainly wish you well with that endeavor because it's an important uh, important message that we need to get out there about, you know, an, an understanding of the true presence in the Eucharist. And let's end with Blessed Carlo Acutis. Pray for pray us. For us. And pray up, for us. <laughs> up next, what can we learn from early Christian martyrs? And we're going to dive into this with Steve Weidenkopf, so... Don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side of the break with more Real Presence Live. Live. Engaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 